The past few years, this housing market has been absolutely insane. Sky-high prices, bidding wars, and roller coaster mortgage rates. Is the real estate market crashing? Will anyone ever be able to afford a home? You're about to meet three powerhouse realtors in the craziest markets to break it all down. Representing the Golden State, California, Agent Jeb Smith. The Lone Star State, Texas, Agent Levi Lassick. And we can't forget the Sunshine State, Florida, Agent Melanie Atkinson. We have all been working in this crazy real estate market for the last two, two and a half years. And I thought it'd be really helpful for our viewers to get an idea of what it was like in our respective markets, what it was like for the last couple of years and what it's like now. We are going to talk history. We're going to talk current market conditions, the housing bubble, what we're telling our buyers and sellers right now. So thank you guys so much for joining me. We'll get started with Levi. Levi's in uh, the Dallas, Texas area. Um, why don't we start with just giving us a quick rundown of what it was like for the last couple of years uh, in the Dallas market? Uh, absolute pandemonium. <laughs> That's what it was. It, I mean, you know, we're in one of the highest relocation cities in the country. You know, corporations, it's not just people and families, it's corporations that are moving here at a rapid rate. And we have not really seen, uh, I mean, there's been a little bit of slowdown now, but over the last two years, I mean, it was, we, we battled against, you know, 30 offers on average on a home. And now for us, we work with a lot of relocation, of course, and, and uh, being on YouTube, we attract a lot of people coming from California, New York, Illinois, Washington State. And so, you know, they were they were making those moves in, in vast numbers. On top of that, as I mentioned, corporations were moving entire companies here, bringing thousands of employees at some times. And so uh, it was extremely competitive. And so it really came down to working with the right team. Luckily for us, we've got some of the best agents in the Dallas area, and uh, we're able to negotiate those deals. And and despite uh, all of that, we were you know still very successful in winning our clients' homes. We didn't have really hardly any clients that went past two offers on a home. And usually, the first time we missed out was uh, they wanted to play a little hardball, and we you know that wasn't something we recommended. But at the at the time, you know, we had to work with them the best we could. But ultimately. We survived that working with a lot of buyers in a, in a very hot seller's market. Now that we've seen a, a shift, now, now it's a lot uh, easier to find those deals. And, and, uh, and so, but the market is still good. We're still seeing if homes are priced correctly, you know, three uh, to five or eight offers still on a house. So not in the 20 and 30 range, but it's still very competitive. But uh, we do see sellers willing to work with uh, the buyers a little bit more now. And ultimately, it really does come down to, you know, working with a good team, I, I believe. And so we're, we always want to keep our, our clients' interest in, in mind. And we make sure that they don't overpay. I do believe there is a difference uh, in the last two years of overbidding versus overpaying. So even if uh, they were overbidding, we wanted to make sure that the, the house was priced accordingly. Uh, the comps would support it. We didn't want them to pay over, even if there was uh, they submitted an appraisal gap or uh, appraisal waiver. Uh, none of our clients had to actually pay out of pocket for that. And so, if you look at the deal the right way, even in those times, I do believe you know you make your money when you buy, and you make your best uh, opportunity on the buy side. And so, if you can buy correctly in any market, it, it's definitely can be more challenging in certain markets, as we've seen in the last two years. But ultimately. If you understand uh, the comps and, and the homes and, and where the market is moving to, then we were still able to assist clients during that time. And now it's definitely lightened up a little bit. And it's been, uh, you know, we're, we're positioned, I think, very well to, to help them move into this uh, to this new market we're working with now.
Well, perfect. Your market sounds very similar to what we were dealing with in the Tampa area. So let's go to the West Coast and Jeb Smith. Um, how was the market out there in the L.A. area? I, I mean, ditto. Um, like literally, like like you and Levi have said, uh, it was it was crazy, right? So we started. You know, I think it's it's. Uh, it's always nice to know where you were at the beginning of the year prior to the craziness. So if we go back to the beginning of 2020, you know, I was on video. Um, in fact, I, you know, I, I recently posted a video where I was talking about the market at that time. And I was talking in that video. We started off the year pretty hot. You know, we've got a low supply. Buyer demand is picking up. And then the pandemic happened. Right. And so what we happened, what happened with the pandemic is interest rates obviously move lower. People were able to to work from home, just all of the craziness that we already know. But that created this this craziness with regards to demand. Um, you mentioned crazy housing market earlier. That is what what it was um, in every sense of the word. I mean, things were, you know, I've been in the business almost 20 years and there were things that I hadn't seen um, that were happening daily. Every time I thought I was surprised, every, you know, the next deal, I was even more surprised with the things that people were willing to do. And so with that, we saw homes, you know, sell very quickly over the asking price, multiple offers, you know, a lot of the things you've heard. Um, and, you know, since then, um, you know, probably the last four to five months, the market slowed down. Uh, we're not seeing the, you know, the month over month appreciation, a lot like, you know, some of the numbers are reflecting out there on uh, with regards to data. Uh, but we are still seeing things sell. I mean, you know, like. Levi mentioned, I mean, clients going into escrow still today. Um, I have I have listings uh, that were sitting for, you know, a lot longer than any listing I've had sit in two years, but still sold at a price above where I thought it would honestly sell um, in this market. I mean, I've had buyers. I haven't been as fortunate um, as as Levi mentioned. And, you know, and, and I've had some clients make 10 offers over the last year that are still looking for property that are still today getting outbid on property with home selling above the asking price, you know, with only a couple of days on market. So, you know, contrary to what a lot of people believe, no one in California is giving away their home. Um, you know, people still, you know, the prices are sticky to the upside, right? So I, I believe that as a seller has an idea of what their home is worth, they've seen what their neighbor's home is worth, you know, even though that equity isn't real equity until it's sold, that's that's a number that people have in their heads. And oftentimes they're not willing to just walk away from that number um, unless they absolutely have to do something. And because there's equity in people's properties, they have super low rates. It's going to cost them much more to buy a house now than it you know did a year, two years ago. People are staying put. So we're not really seeing you know more of a moderation right now than anything else. Yeah, I want to go back to one of the first things that you just said, Jeb, because I was doing the research. And at the beginning of uh, 2020, I did an episode as well for my channel about what I thought the market was going to be like for 2020. And one of the things that I said was that the inventory was low. So I went back and looked at what the inventory was for March of 2020 in the, the Tampa Bay MLS area. And we actually had um, 47,267 listings, which was three months of inventory. And that felt low to me at the yep. time. So fast forward to March of 2021, we had 16,000 listings. So we saw a 65% drop in the number of active listings year over year from 20, 
2020 to 2021. And then 2022 was even lower. It was at 14,000, just under uh, 14,700. So as we all saw in, in our respective markets, the inventory was so low that everyone had to make multiple offers. And I have a, a question for both of you. Whenever we were in the peak of the craziness, what was the most that you ever wrote an offer over list price? $250,000. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> All right. I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> $120,000. So mine was about what Levi's was. I think mine was one hundred twenty dollars to $125,000. California, you know, you guys have uh, a little bit higher prices uh, than than we do. <laughs> I, do uh, I do have a quick question for Jeb, if I may. Sure. If, uh, I was just curious, you know, because being in Dallas, of course, you know, we saw quite a bit of influx coming from California. However, we knew the California market was just as hot and clearly you're going way over uh, what we were going over. So what what do you count, Jeb? What was happening in California whenever we're we feel like there's a mass exodus, but the real estate market is still just as hot there and people are moving around. Were you seeing people move into your area or were they moving around or were they just selling because they were gaining so much equity and just kind of moving up or moving sideways? Uh, what was kind of the main uh, you know, cause of that? No, great question. I mean, all the above. Um, I'll say this, that, you know, um, I, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Levi, the, we send the most people to the state of Texas, California does, but Texas also sends the most people to California. Um, and so that, you know, uh, the National Association of Realtors has this little thing on their website where you can put in your state and, and it shows the migration patterns. So we have you know, not just as many people coming back, but we have a lot of people coming back to to California. So when you look at the net migration numbers, you know, a lot of people just point out the gross migration numbers or, or um, uh, of people leaving California when they talk about the exodus, but they don't talk about the people coming into the state, right? Because it's not just all these people leaving and no one coming in. There's still a good amount of people coming, whether they just wanted to live in California, maybe a job relocation, like you mentioned earlier, or what have you. So that's that's a part of it, right? We have people that want to be here. Um, but I will say a good portion of it is people moving around. So Orange County, where I'm located, 3.3 million people. Um, at, at the bottom of the market, and I will say the bottom, meaning uh, December of 2021, uh, with regards to inventory, we had 964 listings on the market here in Orange County. 3.3 million people, we had 964 listings on the market. So you imagine there's people that have always lived here that have never owned a home. So some of those people bought homes. You had people moving from out of state into to Orange County, buying up property. But you also had a lot of people in higher cost areas. Now, when you talk Orange County, you're talking a high price point to start with, right? The median home price where I am is over a million bucks. But when you look at areas like the Bay Area, where their median home price or whatever is 1.5, 1.8, or you go to, you know, um, the tech area up there, San Jose, prices are, you know, close to 2 million bucks. Well, what happens is as they can migrate, they can move outside of their respective areas. They don't need to drive into work every day. Guess what? They look at my market as affordable. And so now they're coming here making cash offers, making offers $250,000 above the asking price and not batting an eye because that's what they were doing in their market and not going anywhere. So we had a lot of state uh, migration in itself. Um, but overall, I mean, there's, you know, the weather, right? I mean, we have our, we have our problems here in California. Don't get me wrong. Um, we could go on. There's a list, a laundry list of them, but there's also some really cool things about California, um, that, that draws people in. 
Orange County is 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 my dream place. And and my my grandparents are actually from there. My mom, my grandma lived uh, one of them in Costa Mesa, the other one in Santa Ana. My parents yeah, grew up I'm in right Huntington Beach, and then they moved to this podunk country town in Texas where I grew up and we would go back and visit every summer. And I was like, wait, why, why did, why did you move? Uh, why did you leave paradise for, uh, the, the you know, cows and, and the rodeo? I, I didn't get it, but uh, I love Orange County. It's amazing. We have always treated residents with Texas here in Tampa, a lot of Houston, Dallas. Um, but the, amount of buyers that we had from California over the last two years was shocking, especially on the West coast of Florida. It was almost like Californians didn't even know the West coast of Florida existed. So when they all started coming here, you talked about how much money they had from moving in other parts of the state. Well, when they were coming to Tampa, they had even more buying power here in the Tampa Bay area. And I'm assuming the same is true in the Dallas area. It was shocking for locals and even people from around other parts of the country, how much money the Californians had when they came into our states. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that's another reason that even though, you know, house prices were continuing to rise in some of these markets, a really good example, because I know the market a little bit better than I know Tampa is say um, Phoenix, Arizona market, right? Mm -hmm. So Phoenix as prices continued to increase, all the locals were there going, eh, it's a bubble. There's no way this can sustain because who's buying these properties? Who can continue to buy them? Well, guess what? Californians can because Californians, they can, you know, you got people coming from the Northwest, Seattle, or like people that in, are in much higher cost areas than, than the states they're moving. They can afford to do some of this quote unquote craziness stuff. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, I think we're all seeing kind of a slowdown and, and I'm sure we're going to talk about right. that. Right. Levi, what is your, do you know off the top of your head what kind of your average price is in your area right now? Yeah. I mean, it depends on county. I mean, we do a lot of business in Collin County, which is just north of Dallas. And that's where a majority of the the suburbs where people are moving to. So the the uh, median home price there right now is right at 535000 And we still saw an increase uh, from July. So the numbers just came out for July of uh, 2022. Compared to July of 2021, it was still up 18%. Uh, 18.9%. Yeah. So my stats um, are average sales price, not median. And we're up 18% of average sales price in the Tampa Bay area, but we were actually down 3% from June to July. Our peak of our sales volume was in May of 2022, where we sold 8.4 billion in my MLS area, which is a pretty big area in the central western part of Florida. But since then, even though June prices technically went up a little bit, they they weren't that much. So let's talk about current market conditions. Um, that was a little bit uh, the Tampa Bay area. We are now seeing an increase of inventory. We have about two months of inventory now, which feels like we're flush with houses. What are you guys seeing there as far as available inventory? Uh, I, yeah, I, we're sitting at about two months, two maybe two and a half months. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I think to give it relative terms, right? I said at the beginning of the year, we started out like 964. I checked the MLS earlier today. Uh, we were at just over 4,000, 4,040 homes. Um, and what I've noticed more so than anything else, before, well, before I go into that, this year uh, or last year, about this time, um, we had obviously less homes on the market. I forget what it was, 25, 2,600 homes on the market during this time last year. But prior to the pandemic, 2017 to 2019, right, that quote unquote normal time in the market, we had about 6,700 homes on the market during this time of year. So we're significantly below that. 
but we are above last year. Now, with that being said, you know, we did see some increases in inventory. You know, we would see about 100 properties come on the market um, in Orange County a day for or a week rather on, on like a net if you will, right? So some properties would go into escrow, but more properties would come on. So I would every week on on my live stream, we we talk about where the inventory is here locally, just to give people some, you know, a basis, if you will. And so week over week, we were adding about a hundred homes for the better part of two months. Well, the last three to four weeks, we're going to be sitting at essentially the same number over the last four weeks. So our inventory, yes, there's new homes coming on the market, but it's not growing, right? Because demand is is still eating away at some of those properties. Um, you know, the overpriced ones are still sitting, but overall we're I think we might be be pretty close to the peak in in what we're going to see in inventory this year because we're starting to get some of that natural seasonality back to the market. Kids just went back to school for some markets yesterday. My kids don't go back for another month, so I think by the time my kids go back to school in about a month is is the peak will have happened by then in my opinion which means you know you just kind of coast through the end of the year with you know depending on what happens with the rates yeah seasonality is a big thing in my market too which i'm assuming it is in levi's we'll talk about that next um what about inventory in your your market levi yeah we're the same we're right around 2.3 months of inventory on the market. So whenever we see these headlines that say, you know, inventory is doubled and things like that, I, I think I, I'm sure it drives you guys crazy too, that it, just because inventory technically has doubled from one percent or one month to two months, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're sitting in a market with all of these houses that no one wants to buy. And it that that part is very frustrating whenever I'm watching you know, uh, either news or YouTube or whatever. That's the same with interest rates, right? Whenever they went from three to 4%, everyone was saying it's a thousand percent increase or whatever the numbers are. <laughs> and they're like, it, the market's going to crash because and it's like, guys, you know, 4% is still, of course. I mean, right now we're, we're close right, right back to 5%. I bought my home, my current home in 2019 at 5%. And that was a, that was a great deal. I mean, at that time, everyone was like, five percent these rates are amazing and and i was i was the same way didn't bat an eye you know thought five percent that was amazing but i refinanced uh in the middle of last year at 2.25 so that was uh that was pretty cool but still five percent even in 2019 was not a big deal and now that we're right back there i think we're going to uh get through these next this next week or two because we have everyone going back to school right now finishing up the family vacations getting the kids back so it's a naturally slow time i think just in general for the real estate market but uh, again dallas is a market and a whole we uh, again being one of the top relocation markets they're projecting now dallas to uh, uh grow bigger than chicago metro within the next uh, six to seven years uh, because of the relocation, because of the space, because of the opportunity here as well. And that's something we just passed up Houston, which Houston used to be the uh, the fourth uh, or was the uh, yeah the fourth largest metro. Dallas just passed up Houston, which is pretty phenomenal. And the fact that they're projecting now to pass up Chicago now will be behind L.A. and New York. As the large, and that's the thing is, is Dallas is not landlocked. It's not waterlocked. There's no mountains around here. There's no beach, which is another reason why I love you know Orange County so much. <laughs> so so we can just keep growing. I mean, we can grow all the way to Oklahoma, and that's something not only for you know we're seeing the tech companies, we're seeing uh, corporations, not just the tech companies, but all kinds of businesses move here, and they they continually build out. And so I think uh, as long as uh, Texas in general right now too being 
business friendly, tax friendly, freedom friendly, that is also attracting a lot of companies here as well. And so as, as what we're saying, uh, we're not, I mean, we're seeing that little bit of a slowdown, but ultimately we're still projected for a tremendous amount of growth here in, in the Dallas area. Florida and Texas are similar in a lot of ways, but you guys do seem to be able to attract those tech companies a lot easier than, than we do here in Florida. Um, I'm not sure if it's just geographically we're too far east or uh, the land or whatever. Just really quick, as far as uh, Florida, my, the Tampa market, which by the way, if you like beaches, then you should come to our beaches because they're even more beautiful. I do like, um, the, I do like the Gulf side of Florida. Yes. That's the we better. get the sunsets. Well, so do you in California. But seasonality in my market is a big thing. August and September are, are always slow. Um, it, well, not last year and the year before because of what was going on. But our schools start very early. Um, and then we have the peak of hurricane season, which you guys deal with in Texas as well in September. Um, so it does seem to be a, a very slow time. Uh, for real estate in general. So for anyone who's watching, who's getting all of your real estate statistics from these two months, it's not necessarily representative of every month of the year. And then in the Tampa Bay area, we have two different markets. Um, we have a second home market that tends to be a little bit more active in the wintertime. So January through April. And then we have more of the traditional school suburb market, which is, you know, March through July, because our schools start in early August. So, so we have, there's really not a lot of times in, in this area where we're not busy, but this is definitely uh, one of those times. No, good stuff. I mean, I, I think here in California, seasonality always plays a part. Uh, but like you, we, we have warm weather pretty much year round. Um, you know, we don't see in Orange County, see temperatures much below 50 degrees and typically don't see temperatures much above 90, depending on where you are in Orange County. If you're in coastal area like me, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, the climate's great year round. Um, but we don't really, we don't necessarily have the second home market um, as much as you do. It's just a lot of traditional buyers and sellers and investors just looking for property. Uh, but we do see a slowdown um, after school starts and, and people start to get into the holidays spirit and, and, you know, they don't want to deal with buying a house, um, you know, between, I think probably mid to late October through mid January, right? People start dealing with taxes. And then after all that stuff kind of works its way out, it's when we start to see our market pick up, which is around that first or two weeks of February. And that's been missing, um, if you will, for the last two years, just because of, of how crazy things were. Uh, but I've, I've started already seeing some seasonality start to play back in. Um, and, and so it'll be it'll be an interesting, um, you know, position, if you will, by where we are in a couple of months, because, you know, there was a lot of people predicting the inventory would continue to rise through the, the rest of the year. And, and I, I don't see it. Um, I've been wrong uh, before on different things, but I, I think the, the inventory thing is going to level off. Yeah, I mean, uh, so here's my question with inventory is. People in the Tampa Bay area don't really seem to have any huge motivation to move. One, the prices are high if they've lived here a long time. If they move, their taxes go up. The interest rates are higher than most people have. So just from our local residents who already own properties, nobody really wants to move. So what is what would cause an increase in inventory um, other than, you know, some corporate buyer putting a bunch of houses on the market or, you know, people having to sell for some other reason, which we'll talk about. But I mean, in your markets, are there any good reasons for for people to want to move right now? 
I mean, if they have to, right? I mean, it's <laughs> like I, I'm looking – like, I mean, for example, right, me, I've given this example on in different conversations I've had, but I'm looking at buying property right now. Why? I've got three kids. I've got three boys and a, you know, just under 2,000 square foot property. My wife, I mean, obviously she's there too. So there's five of us in this property. And granted, these are first world problems. This is not a problem. But would I like to have more space? Would I like to be able to, to give the kids, you know, a, a bigger yard and all of this stuff? Sure, I, I would. And I'm in a position to do that. And so there's people like me where it's the right time of their life to move. And so you've got those people that will move because of that. And so I'm not here. I'll be the first to tell you, like, I'm not trying to pick the top or the bottom in the market because I don't care. Um, and, and people say, well, Jeb, you, you, I mean, you're just saying that. I really don't. I mean, I, I, I plan on being in that house another 10, 15 years. It's not my forever house, but it's a house that is going to get me that transition through, you know, now, but by, you know, kids go to college and probably, um, you know, maybe maybe they're out, maybe they're not. And then I'll move on at that point. So I'm not looking at what the value is tomorrow. I'm not, I'm looking at the payment. What is the payment? Can I afford to do it? Do I, you know, am I in a good position with my work and my career and all of that stuff? And I am. And so that is, is the reason that I make decisions. And I think that's where, like you kind of mentioned a moment ago, people sitting on super low payments and going, why do I need to do anything? And if you don't, that's why I think you see inventory peak to some extent, um, because there's a lot of people out there that aren't going to move and, and have that that rate locked in and that payment locked in, and and they're just going to stay put. Yeah, I mean, for us, I, I just think we're just such an attractive relocation market that uh, we just had Caterpillar uh, move corporate offices here. That was well over a thousand employees. We just had Goldman Sachs, uh, you know, move uh, part of their corporation here. Over five thousand jobs, and just in there, you you hear. Elon Musk, right? Tesla. I mean, that's more in the Austin area, but just in the Dallas area, we're having corporations come here with thousands of people. Actually, our operations manager now, uh, we just got her from Utah because her her uh, partner moved here with Goldman Sachs. So those those that's continually happening uh, as well when you bring in that influx. Now, clearly, they're not bringing all 5,000 people with them, but it's also creating a pretty strong job economy here in Dallas, which is one of the top in the country right now. So as far as that goes, we have a strong economy and every all the other factors that are playing in. I mean, this is just such an attractive place, especially with freedom friendly, as I mentioned before, tax friendly. Uh, I know our governor is courting corporations as well. So maybe that's the difference between Florida. Although, I, you know, I think we have yeah. similar governors in Florida, but I know that the Texas governor is reaching out to corporations and and pitching them on moving to Texas. So he's trying to bring in more business, more companies. Uh, now, with if that may come with tax incentives, I haven't heard as far as if they're offering tax incentives, but if they offer the corporations that, clearly it's a big move. But based on some of the taxes in some of the other states, it's already a tax benefit to move here on top of that. And again, we've got the space. Uh, you mentioned hurricanes, though, not a factor for us in Dallas as well, so that we don't see much seasonality there. Last year, now, again, this was last year. November was our biggest month for our personal team. I mean, we had the, the biggest and that that kind of surprised me, especially when you think about a week of Thanksgiving. But we had people coming in 
the day after Thanksgiving. We had, I think, five different families in that weekend, and, and they were probably taking advantage of the fact that they had the time off. December was our second or third biggest month of the year for our team last year. So we had a really strong fourth quarter, and uh, the weather it is not a big factor for us. Actually, it cools off in September, and we have perfect weather pretty much from September to, to December. So that could uh, that probably helps out with uh, bringing in some more people there as well. So uh, it, it's just all signs are, are looking good in the Dallas area still with, with just an overall uh, friendly environment for everything. And so it's just uh, we're still getting calls uh, each day. So How are you guys creating inventory there? Do you have a lot of new construction? Oh yeah, they, well yeah. They the, clearly new construction is a big deal here in uh, Dallas. I believe it's the number one new construction market in the country right now. And again, because there's so much room to grow out. If you look at Dallas on a map, all you see around it is green space. You know, and and again, you can go all the way up to Oklahoma in like uh, Texas Instruments, which is a pretty uh, big Texas corporation. They just built a third a new thirty. Um, or $20 billion facility up in Sherman, which is like right between Dallas and Oklahoma. So that's going to start spurring. That's thousands of jobs there too. That's going to start spurring uh, growth, you know, to connect the dots basically from here to Oklahoma. So yes, new construction, it's all moving north uh, to the east and to the southeast. And there's plenty of room to grow there. So I have a question here real quick, if, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. so, so I hear about a lot about new construction, right? New construction, now builders are offering incentives. They're just dropping their prices. They're just giving homes away, right? So I, I, I'd love to hear both of you's take on on that. Um, in, but one thing I wanted to say that you just said, which I thought was interesting, Levi, is, you know, Dallas, the, the city of Dallas produces or builds more homes than the entire state of California does. They did last year. They built more homes in Dallas than the entire state of California built because of the regulatory fees it, to break ground here in California. It cost about $90,000 to break ground on a single family home because of all the, the measures and, and, and hoops you have to jump through um, with, you know, governing agencies and all that stuff. So just think that's that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, so I'd, I'd love to know what you guys are seeing with new construction. Is it really I mean, well, I, I understand the market is moving sideways, but is it? you know, our price reductions as, as crazy as, uh, as they're making it sound. Yeah, I think, I think exactly. That's, that's whenever I talk about business friendly environment, that's what I mean is that, uh, there's, there's not near, uh, especially what I hear from like yourself and, and from the families. I mean, we have discussions with Californians every day, uh, you know, Washington state, uh, people as well. And, and, uh, yeah, so they, they, uh, they incentivize. And so, yeah, now we're seeing what we didn't see six months ago. Builders are definitely, uh, reaching out, you know, they're, they're answering the phone again and they're saying, Hey, realtor bonus here and a uh, uh, bonus here and a bonus there. Absolutely happy to help. And so, uh, yes, it, it's definitely been easier to lock up those deals and, and uh, get some, get some incentives for the clients as well. Yeah. We could probably talk about new construction all day, Levi and I, cause it's a big part of our market here in Tampa as well. Um, and I will say it, it was a big part of what we sold. It has been extremely challenging, um, just to get those houses actually built, um, with the supply chain issues and, um, the labor issues that we've had to deal with. So I'd be curious to know if it's the same thing in the Dallas area. Um, a lot of my new construction clients are in the position now where when they went under contract, uh, you know, late last year or early this year, they were looking at interest rates that were super low. And now they're looking at interest rates that are much higher. So what they thought was going to be one 
you know, their payment is in fact going to be much more because of the time that it's taking to build the houses. Um, as far as incentives, what I've seen more than anything is just builders offering to, uh, money towards closing costs to buy down the interest rates. It, not a huge amount, you know, 12, 14,000. As far as agents are concerned, um, there are many stories in Florida how builders just pretty much, uh, you know, ignored us and didn't want us to work with them. Um, little did they know that we were actually really helping them by being a middleman and keeping our, our clients happy um, during the times, the delays and things like that, but they're all paying us now. And yes, there are some incentives coming out. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, we don't have so much of that here in Southern California where I am, right? Because coastal area, um, where they're building, it's further out in orange County, not really my market really. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we had the same thing, you know, builders reducing commissions, not working with, with, clients. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I even, I've commented about this several times. We did, we've been through this before. And if you remember the last time it was the exact same thing. They didn't want anything to do with us until things changed. And all of a sudden they need us back. And so, yeah, I think you're seeing more of that. I mean, I like the idea of these builders giving incentives to buy down rates. It's smart um, to keep the the deals in, 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 in contract. Um, you know, I look at the new construction numbers, right? They come out and they look crazy because you see the amount of homes that are outstanding out there. But once you start really looking at them, only a small percentage of those homes are actually built. Uh, and a large majority of them um, are under construction. Then you have some where they pulled permits. So the permits pulled, those homes aren't going to get built, probably not. I mean, unless they're in a Dallas market where they really know the market, those homes that are under, you know, uh, that are under construction are the ones that, you know, I, I ask you guys, are those you know, some of these builders, I think my guess would be a large majority of those are probably under contract. They were built with a, a purchase contract in mind when they built those properties. They're, they're not just spec builds. Um, now, some of them are going to result in a spec build just because people back out or what have you. But I think a large majority of those probably are probably accounted for. Is that is that fair? Oh, yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And and, uh, and we're not uh, the clients that we have under contract. Same thing. And now now that rates are back down to 5%, is that worse than three and a half or 4%. Yeah, but it's not too terrible. And, and so even unless somebody closed in the last two months, uh, you know, again, all they got to do is get through the next four months and then possibly look at a refinance opportunity or they bought, bought it down, you know? And so, uh, which is what, if they work with our lending team, they're definitely encouraging that, but some of the builders are too, but yeah, the, the inventory was so uh, non-existent with new construction, pretty much everything we're building. I mean, there was uh there was communities that sold out two years in advance and, but, and they just, uh, that was it, you know? So, and they weren't planning to do that. They were only planning to release a couple of phases because the demand was so high. They put those deals under contract. And so it, it really comes down to whenever, uh, they're going to close. And now that the projected closings are that we have coming up in the next month or two, none of our buyers are necessarily concerned right now because they, they do have the incentive or the opportunity still to, to buy down the rate and still, be at four, four and a half percent, not, not that bad. So Jeb, one thing I wanted to say based or, you know, based on what you just said was I don't see a lot of new construction clients cancel contracts, partly because the builders required a lot of money down that they don't, they can't get back. So most people aren't going to walk away from 10% down um, unless there was something that happened to the housing market where prices were so much lower. So most of my new construction buyers they're happy. They're excited. They they want their houses, but 
they are very frustrated because it's taken a really long time. I have some that are 15 months along that don't have drywall yet. Um, now that's not every builder. We have a lot of production builders here that that crank out houses pretty quick, but it is definitely some of the smaller, more um, more customized builders are taking a really long time. So those buyers are very frustrated still. Yeah, rightfully so. Well, let's talk about the hot button topic, which is the housing bubble. I know that we we all have very similar views as as to you know the housing bubble itself. Um, we all work on the ground floor every day. Um, I think real estate agents get a bad rap for um, you know always talking about how the market's good and how everything's fine, but I think the public and and everybody really needs to listen to us because we actually really do see when things start shifting the day it happens. Um, so wanted to talk about you know realistically housing bubble thoughts. Um, we all know that it's not 2008. The same uh, fundamentals that caused that are not what's in our market now. Um, so if we want to dig in a little bit with what we think might actually be a problem with the housing market in the future. I mean, I'll jump in there. I, I, I see prices. I mean, you know, just rehashing everything you said. I mean, not to go into it again. I'm, I'm not going to go there. But I think with all of that you just said, um, I think prices move sideways. Um, I think a big, big part of it has to do with interest rates. Uh, I think I personally believe that there's an opportunity for rates to go lower, um, depending on what happens in the economy um, and, and what the Fed actually does. But I think there's an opportunity in the next 12 months for rates to, to, to be in the mid fours again, it, you know, as a for, for well-qualified buyers out there for an extended period of time, not just a one-off like we saw last week where rates dropped. Uh, but with that said, I think, you know, if rates can go lower, you know, home prices will probably see small gains, 1%, 2% um, year over year for a number of years, in my opinion, in my market. Um, real estate's local, so depending on where you are, it might not do that. If you have a housing market, because there are housing markets out there that haven't seen appreciation in 20 years, right? Because they're just one of those markets. And, you know, maybe they've seen it over the last two years, but prior to that, they didn't see any appreciation. Where California, you know, we're four, four and a half percent appreciation year over year for 65 years. Now, some of that was 10% appreciation, some of it was down two or 3% appreciation, but averaging out. So I think if rates go lower, there's an opportunity for home prices to continue to rise a little bit. Um, if what I believe is actually the case where rates probably trade in a range for a period of time, I think home prices probably move sideways. Um, you're, you're buying a house, you're not really getting the appreciation, it's not really going down. Maybe your neighbor's house sells for a little bit less, maybe it sells for a little bit more, hard to say, you know, just depending on things. But you know, I think it's important at, at the moment to just have that that longer term time horizon, 10 years. I mean, if you look back, biggest crash in history from 08 to 2014, 15, 16, you know, many markets were back to that price um, that that, you know, at the height of, of 2008 in within eight to 10 years. So by having that longer term time horizon, we're not anywhere close to where we were at that time. Um, with the fundamentals in the market. So yeah, maybe you see some declines, but I think overall strong markets, Dallas, Tampa, some of these big nicer markets where people want to move are probably less affected. It's more normal. And, and I think that's what I try to get across to people is it's normalizing. We have we have very short memories, you know, in 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 anything and everything we do. We just remember what happened, you know, the last couple of times versus going back and really looking. And and partly you and I were talking earlier um on 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 camera here about videos that we filmed years ago right and so 
I went back and looked at some of these videos and go, what, what was I saying during this time? And guess what? I was saying, I, I, I watched a video from 2014 yesterday. It was, I was, it was awful to watch. It was like the, I mean, it was terrible. Like I was watching, I go, Oh my, like, this is awful. But what I was saying in that video still rings true today. And that was eight years ago. I was talking about seasonality in the markets. I was talking about where the market was, what I expected with buyers and sellers coming in in the spring, inventory here, all of that stuff. That is a normal market. There are price reductions in a normal market, right? And so you're going to see that stuff. What I say is, hey, what number one, why are you moving? <laughs> First of all, what's what's the reason you're moving? What, you know, how and, and can we help you do that? So for, if, as long as they know the reason and then also what's the goal? I mean, I think no matter what the market is, the fundamentals of real estate are pretty much the same, which is, is it better to buy now or later? Now, the thing is, is that it, it, are you going to be here for six months or a year? OK, well, maybe not. The, maybe don't buy. You know, maybe renting is better for you. But if you plan to stay in that home for the next three to five years, at least, I mean, it's highly unlikely you're going to lose money on that home. I mean, there may be a dip next year or maybe even in two years but it's probably going to regain. And yes, uh, you know, it is local. And for Dallas has always been a strong market. They didn't take a, a huge hit in, in 2008. It, they were one of the markets that stayed mostly normal. I mean, it still saw some of its downside. This, the, the last two years was definitely out of the norm uh, for, uh, you know, for uh, Dallas as a whole. But again, you just saw the numbers or I talked about them earlier still up 20% compared to last year. So even if you bought last year and you're, you're having some buyer's remorse, if you're staying in this home for the next uh, two or three years, maybe that appreciation slows to two or 3% over the next year, just like Jeb said, but you still are probably in a pretty good position. But ideally, you know, uh, you want to stay in a primary residence just for the, the capital gains exemption, right? For at least two years, if you can. Now, if if circumstances happen and your your aunt passes away and you have to move back and help family, those are things you can never predict. And so, you know, it, it, that that just comes down to a timing thing. So it's, it's why are you moving? Is it the best uh, choice for your family right now? Are you planning to stay there for the next three to five years? And then also, uh, yeah, I mean, I think even and ultimately, here's what it comes down to as well, is no matter what the market is doing, we just have to find you one home. And so ideally, we have to work to get you the best deal on that home at the right price, make sure uh, you're, it's not overpriced, you're not overpaying, and you can find a deal. Just like Jeb said, he's, he's searching for property right now. Uh, seasoned real estate investors are buying properties right now because they know it, you got to just find the deal. And so we look at that for our clients as well. Is it what they're looking for? And then is it a right deal? We look at it more from the deal side where they may be thinking of it sometimes on the emotional side. We try to stick to the logical side of that and help them see that. But ultimately, if they're going to be there for the next three to five years, we just don't see uh you know, Dallas crashing and burning there as well, especially with all the projections of migration and growth and, and corporations and expansion. And uh, just those, the, all those factors show that uh, job economy is as well. All of that just says that if you buy now and you have that house in three to five years, you're probably still going to be in a better position. So, uh, you know, but people will skewer me for that, right? The comments will say, oh, you're, <laughs> you're, you're yeah. just trying to, you're just trying to sell people a house. It's like, well, no, I mean, it's the thing. And we have clients that wanted to wait last year. They, they just said, hey, I, didn't, I don't want to participate. And we said, that's fine. 
And now they're coming back to us and saying, hey, let's go. We're, we're ready to make that move and we're ready to jump in. We feel like this is the better time for us, which is great. Now, on average, if you look at the numbers, they're paying 20% more. So at the same time, uh, should they have bought last year? Well, ultimately, it, it came down to their decision and, and we'll still find them a deal. That's our goal is, is to get them that one house. Yeah, um, I, I'm happy to get back to real estate fundamentals. And that's the same thing that I talk to all of my clients about. Um, I want to play devil's advocate for a second and talk about housing affordability, because it's probably my biggest concern um, moving forward. Um, the uh, National Association of Realtors is, it puts out an affordability chart. And we are getting to the point where we're tipping, meaning that if someone's buying a medium price home and putting down 20%, they are actually, for the first time, I believe it was last month, under what they should be paying or over. I'm sorry, I'm probably saying that wrong. The housing affordability has become a big issue in the sense that people, their monthly payment is becoming a lot more than what it was even two years ago. So in the state of Florida, it it's extremely different when it comes to taxes. So not only did people that bought in the last year, especially in the last year, they paid more money for their houses, you know, 30, 40% more, their tax rate is going to be extremely different than their neighbor's tax rate if the neighbor owned the house before COVID. Um, so I think my biggest fear for the market is just, you know, we have strict lending standards. They weren't giving loans to people who didn't qualify. However, if anything happens with the job market or people, you know, don't make as much money, then I worry about the affordability of, you know, just their monthly payment. I mean, a reasonable concern um, for sure. I mean, it's it, that's what's affecting demand at the moment. Right. So, I mean, that's why we, we've got demand softening so much across the board. It, it it really has to do with affordability more than than anything else in the market. I mean, most people out there aren't looking at inflation numbers going, oh, my God, inflation's at nine percent. They're going. How does that affect me? And 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 the monthly payment is is clearly a problem. Um, I live in a more affluent market um, where yes, it is going to affect people. It is going to um, limit the number of buyers out there without question. Uh, but it's overall, it's it's going to remain pretty strong. I, and, and I think that's another reason why I think home prices move sideways more so than anything else is to allow some wages to catch up. Um, with the market to allow um, maybe even decline in some markets a little bit just because allow allow um, wages to catch up, right? I mean, we know employers at the moment, even though the employment numbers don't necessarily reflect some of this pay, but I mean, I was back home. I, I don't know if any of you guys know this. I'm from Eastern North Carolina. I'm from a very rural, small town. Um, and and when I, I went back a week ago, and there was a sign I, I, I on the, I don't know if it was on the side of the road or what it was exactly, but they were hiring school bus drivers for seventeen fifty an hour in eastern rural Podunk, as you said earlier. You know, country town seventeen fifty an hour is a substantial amount of pay to live in a in a town where where you know the average home price or the median home price is probably still in the hundred thousand dollar range, right? And so, uh, you know, these employers are paying top dollar for for employees because it's hard to find work. So I think with home prices moving sideways, some of these wages catching up, affordability at some point will catch up. Now, is it going to be where it was 20 years ago? Probably not. 
but I don't know the solution to that. I mean, we're we're starting to talk about much bigger fundamental problems with with wage disparity and just you know just things that are are well beyond um, anything that you know. I know you guys don't want to solve control. all the economic problems I'd love of the to. U.S. I just right don't now. Know that Let's it's, do that. Uh, that it's possible. You know, it's <laughs> I just a lot of it. If we know, do, then they should definitely we hire still us. Have, like, I mean, we're doing crazy stuff out there at the moment, like signing more bills into, like, what are we doing? I mean, we're just spending money. So I, I don't know. We could talk about different things, but it's uh, yeah. Anyhow, I digress. Levi. Yes, everything Jeb said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I tell you what, it's. I mean, yes, we could go down a rabbit hole here. I, I'm completely disappointed in in the, uh, you know, what's going on at at the higher levels there. But the thing is, is, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because it, you know, six months ago, this is something that we talked about with clients. We we I think a lot of us knew that they were going to. I mean, the Fed told us they were going to raise interest rates, and they they knew they were going to go in the sixes and sevens. And, you know, we tried to uh, educate at least buyers we were working with to say, look, you know, this is going to reduce your buying power. So, you know, if this is the right time for you, we weren't saying you have to buy right now, but we're saying if this is the right time for you, probably better to lock in that four or five percent percentage rate right here. If you want, you know, a seventy five hundred hundred twenty five thousand dollar more expensive home. I mean, that's that was the reality for a lot of people is that they they're uh, that percentage rate was allowing them to, to get a more expensive home. Now, now that we're back down to 5% and it's, it's again, I think back to where what we thought was normal back in 2019, I mean, that was a good rate. And, and here's where the, you know, of course the fed, when they dropped it to, you know, high twos, low threes, that's an expectation right there. And like Jeb said, we, you know, if we get back to the fours, that's the problem is once you go down that that rabbit hole of, of dropping interest rates, you set that expectation. And now, uh, just like Jeff said as well, is that we have short attention spans. And so now that's what all everyone's focused on. Well, it was it was two point nine just, you know, six, well, you know, we were also in the in the midst of a pandemic, which had never happened before. And, and you know, th- there was 30 million layoffs the year before that. And, you know, like you said, it was uh, supply chain shortages, all these different things that we really hadn't experienced in the world at that time. So, you know, did they take it too far by lowering it? But, you know, at the same time, it definitely spurred quite a bit of activity at the time. But that's the thing is that, yes, would you have had to fight against multiple offers? Well, clearly lowering the rates down to that rate created that demand as well. But if you were, you know, able to get a home, you're probably still sitting on some pretty good equity, even more equity that it takes some people to take to build over five, six, seven, eight years. You might have gained that over in the last year. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, no. I don't mean to cut you off, um, yeah. but I want to I want to touch on something there um, regarding uh, first time home buyers and, and home affordability in general. So whenever everyone was moving during the pandemic, if they sold a house in any market, pretty much any market in the nation, uh, they had all of the equity that they they were getting from their house. And a lot of times it was way more equity. We've already talked about that than they even thought that they were going to have. So they came and they bought houses. But to enter the market for first-time homebuyers has become that much harder. So it's almost like we had the haves, the people who owned a house pre-COVID, and now we have, you know, in the haves not, the have-nots, the ones who didn't. So as the market balances out, I see it as a great opportunity for the first-time homebuyers to enter the market. However, they are dealing with everything being just higher in general. Thoughts? 
No, I agree. I mean, you know, it's it's the people that owned equities, owned housing prior to the pandemic are the people that that were that that, that got the greatest reward from from um, owning that asset, if you will. Um, owning a property, it's, there, there's a reason that it creates gener- generational wealth, and the reason that homeowners are 44 times they have a 44 times greater net worth than those of renters is it's real estate, right? So I think that's why we're all here is we're trying to promote the idea of home ownership. We're not telling you to buy a house, but we want you to know the importance of owning a home and 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 what it allows um, within a family stabilization, secure, like all of these different things. It's it's super, super important in the development of kids and families and all of this stuff. And so, yes, first time home buyers, there needs to be uh, more things geared towards first time home buyers. And I know in some markets there are programs and different things. California, we don't have a budget for that sort of thing. So they don't exist. Uh, but in other markets, Dallas and some of these other markets or Texas rather, I know they do. Uh, but I think what, what, what is going to swing here or change here to, to allow some of this to catch up is there's going to be loan programs. There's going to be things that change just like the last time. Now, maybe not like the last time, but to allow lower monthly payments. What that's going to be, I don't know. But I can tell you that, you know, they have to address affordability in one way or another. And I don't see home prices going down being the catalyst that, that gets first-time home buyers in. Um, I believe it's more of a, a of a loan catalyst, something that allows them to have a lower monthly payment in some way to be able to, to buy that property. But I think the bigger problem in my eyes is is the the larger corporations looking at a lot of these properties um, buying them as rental properties in these markets that are your markets right they're not buying eight hundred thousand dollar million dollar homes in california they're buying two to five hundred thousand dollar homes in the sun belt um in the texas area and that that takes away inventory drives up prices and creates more issues yeah, I, that was a huge part. I did an episode on that. It was a huge part of our market over the last couple of years. Was it in yours too, Levi? Yeah, I think uh, uh, that was the number one home buyer this last year. It was corporate, Ugh, yeah, corporate uh, corp, uh, corporations. Yeah, I mean that might be a good place to start. What are you guys telling your fellow realtors, the ones that you mentor, the ones on your team, as far as how to prepare for a market that isn't as crazy as it was the last couple of years? We all got used to having pipelines of buyers that were just, you know, flowing. What are you telling people now? Save your money. No, honestly, like uh, get back to the basics, right? I think a lot of agents right now forgot, like we kind of mentioned earlier, they forgot what a normal market looked like. They forgot how it, you know, you had to have difficult conversations sometimes with agent, I mean, with, uh, with, uh, buyers and sellers, you, you had to talk about price reductions, price improvements, if you will. That's a normal market. And I think it's just a reminder of, Hey, look, look, the world's not falling apart guys. It's just getting back to what, you know, a market maybe you were in, maybe you weren't and, and just kind of bringing back some of those fundamentals. And I think looking at data, like we said, from, you know, 2017, 2019, when nobody was talking about crashes, if you will, or, or some people were, but not the majority of people. Um, and just saying, hey, look, this is where we were then. This is where we are now. Things are moving back towards that. But look, it was a healthy market then. Things were still moving. 
that's that's where we're likely to hit. Yeah, it was so funny because uh, dealing with buyers for the last couple of years, you're kind of like, here's the house, take it or leave it. You don't yep. get to ask for anything. I, I, it doesn't matter what it's valued at. If you want it, then they were willing to do whatever. And now all of a sudden buyers have more power. So as an agent uh, who works with buyers and sellers, the conversations I'm having with buyers now are hard conversations to have sometimes, not for me, because I've been doing it for 15 years, but for newer agents who are coming in and all of a sudden you now have to deal with buyer expectations and, you know, repairs, uh, all sorts of things. Uh, it's, it's hard. And then the same thing with sellers and price reductions. These are hard conversations as real estate agents to have with your clients that I don't think we have had to have very much of in the last couple of years. Um, but we will. So everyone buckle up. No, I was going to say we were we were able to be sloppy to some extent with regards to, um, you know, like where we came from in this business. I'll be the I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you. I mean, a lot of the things I would always do on property, I didn't have to do it. Right. And now I'm doing it again. Just you're getting back to that that type of market. And for me, it's normal um, for those outside looking in. They go, well, everything is changing. This isn't good. Well, it was like that for, you know, 10 years prior to that's what we're, you know, nobody's used to it, but that's really what it is. And so I think, again, it's setting expectations like it is in anything else, whether you're working with a buyer, working with a seller, talking to the market, you know, on, on YouTube, it's setting expectations. Maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, but, you, you know, I think putting it out there and giving a direction for people is important. Yeah, Levi, you have a big team. What are you telling your younger agents? Oh, get ready. <laughs> I mean, we we deal a lot with buyers, uh, especially out of state and relocation. So uh, I, I think I think uh, I'm excited for them. I think there's there's just going to be more opportunity and and, uh, you know, the the competition is going to be a little bit less, but it could still be there. But again, we just we have to find we just like Jeb said, uh, he's, he's saying all the right things today. So it's uh, <laughs> It's just a matter of gold yeah, star we, for Jeff. Yeah, we, we we always set the expectations. With that had to that had to be done over the last year and a half because otherwise your your buyers were going to be in be in for it. Now now it's now that that's kind of flipped. But ultimately, again, we're just we're uh, you know they're they're asking the questions. We're letting them know what's going on. And again, we ask those questions. Why are you moving? Are you planning to be here three to five years? Uh, is that the ideal time for you? You know what what's the situation? Um, you know, what's right for your family. And then also uh, what are you looking for in uh, as far as uh, making that move over here? And so the thing is we, we used to have those conversations with them. And uh, I think for the, for our team, uh, they, they've done a great job of navigating the, the seller's market. And so as we shift more into this, and I just think there's going to be um, opportunity and, and I'm excited for the, for the buyers too. So I, I think uh, again, it's always better, I believe, to buy now rather than later. And uh, Dallas has a good indication of, of uh, a strong market moving forward. So, uh, you know, with that, we just uh, got to make it on a case-by-case -case basis, really. And that's what we look at. We look at everything case-by-case -case with each client and, and each house. 
Yeah. Well, I'll leave it there. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate your time. I know how busy you both are. Um, and uh, this was fun. I, I, I learned a lot. I hope everybody else learned a lot. So everybody check out their YouTube channels and we'll have a link to all of that in the description of the video. And if you guys have any questions, comments, would love to hear them. Go ahead and throw those down there. And if you're not a subscriber to Melanie Lips Tampa Bay, I would really love for you to hit that subscribe button. And that's it for now. With love, Melanie.